Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Please join us at 9 and 11 a.m. at the Somerville Campus and 11 a.m. at the North Charleston and Remount Campuses. Thank you. We hope you are blessed through listening. We are in a series on First and Second Thessalonians, and uh, we, there's a in chapter two. Uh, he talks about being a father, talks about being a mother. The apostle Paul describes how that he feels like he has literally fathered the Thessalonian church. And as we look at these verses, we're going to see how we can become better fathers as we study the example of the apostle Paul. So let's look at it together. But we were gentle among you, verse seven. Just as nursing mother cherishes her own children. So we affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, your labor and your toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also how devout. And justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted from and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. That you would have a walk worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and glory. Father, we pray today that as we look at your word. You'll open up our hearts and our lives that we will see how we as fathers and dads can teach our children to walk worthy of your calling. I pray, God, the word of God will penetrate our hearts and lives. I thank you for each person here. I pray for anointing to preach your word, and there'll be anointing to receive your word this morning. And we ask it in your mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I ran across this little... uh, poem or saying, and maybe you've heard this before, but if you haven't, listen up. If you love something, set it free. You've heard that. If it comes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, it never was. But if it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, takes your money, and doesn't appear to realize it's been set free, you either married it or gave birth to it. (laughs) <laughs> Paul, Paul planted the church in Thessalonica. And, and, and you see his heart, you see his love for this brand new young church. And so Paul, as he writes back to the Thessalonians to encourage them, to comfort them and their trials that they're facing along the way, he, uh, he contacts them, he writes to this letter. And in verse 7 he says, I was just like a nursing mother who cherishes her children. And so he describes himself there almost in a female sense. Someone who give nurture and care to that brand new young church. But in verse 11 he says, he treated the Thessalonians as a father does his very own children. Paul felt the responsibility for the Thessalonians. They were in his heart, they were in his spirit. He prayed for them, he nurtured them, he cared about them. He had this incredible, awesome responsibility. Now, if you're a dad, you've got a responsibility, an incredible responsibility. I I, I saw a statistic that says by the time you raise your child, this is not including college, you will spend $160,000 on each child. Now, some of you are thinking, you know what? If I spend all that money 
on my child, then I really own them. They're mine and, and I own them. But listen, Psalm 127 and verse 3 says, Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Your children are a gift from God to you. Your children, your sons and your daughters, they are a sacred trust that God has given unto you. Therefore, because they are a sacred trust from God, we need to seek to raise our children to follow and serve the Lord. They're a gift that God has given us. How are we raising our kids? Verse number 12, look at it again. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and glory. You see, the end result, the bottom line, fathers, listen to me, is that every one of our children would walk worthy of the Lord. That as they grow up, we'll tell them and teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And as they grow up, they'll bring honor to God. And listen, if your children serve the Lord, everything else in their lives will fall into place. It's the seek ye first the kingdom of God principle. If your children learn to trust God and follow him and serve him, God takes care of everything else. Sometimes we're more worried about their sports. Sometimes we're more worried about their academics. Sometimes we're worried about their manners and all these other good things. And we ought to be concerned about their education. We ought to be concerned about their manners. And we ought to be concerned about all those things. But if you'll first teach them to follow God, God will take care of all those other things. Because they'll glorify God in everything that they do. Teach them to follow the Lord. Now, the question then is, how do we do that? How do we raise our sons and our daughters to walk worthy of God? I've got three things jotted down. If you have your uh, bulletins, you can just turn those over and follow along with us today. First of all, you've got to express genuine love. You've got to express genuine love. Look at verse number 8. So affectionately longing for you, we are well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives also, because you became dear to us. Now, I, I say this. We almost kind of think that's a no-brainer. Okay, uh, fathers, you got to love your kids, and we do love our kids. And, and we almost think, you know, why is he even mentioning that? But sometimes we're not so good at expressing that love. We know we love our kids. We know we care about our kids. But, but Paul says, I was deeply affectionate towards you. I, I longed to be with you. I cared about you. And so he expresses that love to the Thessalonians. And so he's expressing love. And men sometimes are slow to get it. We don't say it often. We may not show it like we ought to because after all, we're men. And sometimes we may look at love as kind of a sissy kind of thing. Uh, you notice in the word of God, when it talks about a relationship between a husband and a wife, the commandments are there. Husbands, love your wives. And then it says, women, respect your husbands. There's never a place in the word of God where you can find that a woman is commanded to love her husband because for ladies, love comes naturally. They just naturally want to express love. They, they naturally want to show love. Uh, but when Paul writes, the, writes, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for his church. We are commanded, we are told, not just to love them intellectually, but to show that kind of love, to display that love. Husbands, love your wives. Remember, remember when uh, you went to the hospital 
and you were there and your wife is having the baby and you're excited and you can't wait and, and, and that baby is brought out to you and all the emotions you felt and how exciting that was. But when it came time to handling the baby and holding the baby, you almost didn't know what to do. You're afraid you're holding like a sack of potatoes. You're going to drop the kid. You're going to do something. And, and, and the mothers kind of instinctively know how to do that. They know that their, their heads are too big for their bodies, and so their heads are flopping all over the place, and, and they know how to support the neck and support the head just right, and the man grabs the baby, and the head just kind of flops over backwards, and you know, the wife says, hey, you're going to kill that kid, you know. Be careful. And, 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 and the wives know all about that soft spot on the top of their head when they're first born. And, and they know how to protect that and guard that. And they just kind of instinctively know those things. And it's the mothers who know when the baby needs to be changed and when it's time to feed the baby and when it's bath time and when it's plate time and when it's sleep time. And the mother kind of just knows all that kind of stuff. And the father's got to learn it. We've got to learn how to do that, right? It doesn't come quite as natural for us. And so we've got to learn those things. And so the first time you hold the baby, it's real awkward, but they show you how to support the head and how to hold the baby close. And, and so you've you got to learn how to do that thing. And, and you didn't know when it was time to feed the baby. And so every time the baby cries, honey, baby's hungry again. Yeah, and the mother, I just fed the baby. No, hungry again, crying, baby crying, must be hungry, feed baby. And that's a, and, and we kind of operate. The, the one thing the father does know is he knows when it's time to change that diaper because of that malciferous odor. And so once again, he says, honey, time to change the baby. And we uh, right away quickly turn him back over to his or her mother. Now, all these things had to be learned because what may seem to become more natural for a mother or a natural for a lady, that ability to love and that capacity to show love, that capacity to display love, it it almost becomes more natural for a mother. And so we've got the dads, we've got to show genuine love to our kids. But it doesn't take long. And soon you have that little baby back home and you begin to enjoy holding your child and you spend hours looking at that baby and rocking that baby and even guys like us who can't sing you sing to that baby and the kids don't know the difference because they're really little and they're not critics at that point like you guys are and uh and you rock that baby and you express love and you play with that child and you watch that child laugh and as that child begins to get a little bit older you comfort that baby and you're there in their time of hurt, and you're there in their time of need. Listen, dads, we've got we've to express and show this genuine kind of love. See, guys, the greatest thing we can do is to show our kids we love them, to show we care. That's what they need more than anything else is that love from a dad, love from a father. Show them you love them. I, I think probably one, a, a classic example of, of, of showing love is the story of the prodigal son. And you know the story that the son thinks he knows more than his dad and it's time to leave home. And he says, give me my inheritance. I'm getting out of here. And the Bible says he went away to a far country and he he travels away and he's gone and he spends all of his money. He goes right through it. And in riotous living, uh, the implication is probably on ladies and, and partying and all that kind of thing. And the money's gone. 
And because he's hungry and he can't even feed himself, he has to take a job feeding pigs and the uh, swine in, in, in a slop pit. And it's not just a real desirable place for Jewish boys to find themselves. And there he is. And the Bible says that he came to himself. And he says, you know what? How many of my father's men have food to spare? How many of my father's servants have food to spare? And I'm starving to death. I can go back home. I can go back and and see dad. And maybe he'll just hire me on as a servant. It's better work at home than it is right here. And, And somewhere, though, you get the scene that the father has been praying for his son. And the father has been looking down the road for his son. And he's been watching and waiting for him to come home. Uh, And even though there came that time when the father let the son make his own mistakes uh, and step out there on his own, uh, he still never stopped looking. He never stopped praying. He never stopped waiting. And you can just kind of imagine the son on his way home. He's practicing his his speech. And he's coming home saying, Dad, I, I, I blew it, and just let me be your servant. You don't even have to call me a son anymore. I know I dis- disgraced you. I know I did wrong. And he's rehearsing this whole speech all the way home. Uh, but when he gets so close to the road, uh, all of a sudden a figure comes running towards him. And the Bible said the father ran to him. Uh, and even while he's thinking about his speech over in his mind before he can get it out, the father wraps his arms around him, and he hugs him, and he holds him, and he says, welcome home. Listen, I want to tell you that's how much our heavenly father loves us Uh, and somewhere along the line uh, he must have communicated that son no matter what you may do uh, no matter how far you wander away i will always always love you uh, and home is a place where you can always come back to uh, and i'll be here to receive you and love you and forgive you Uh, and that relationship is healed incredible story of of just displaying and showing that kind of love Fathers, show, show love. Show your kids you love them. Tell them you love them. Show them in so many different ways. Don't just think because you go to work and take care of the bills. That's enough. Number two, if you're going to lead them and show them how to walk godly in Christ Jesus, you've got to live a life of integrity in front of them. You've got to live the life in front of them. He goes on to say how affectionately we long for you, verse 8. We're well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our lives. Now, not only did we talk to you, not only did we tell you about Jesus Christ, but we, you saw it in our very own lives. We demonstrated it with our lives of integrity in front of you. You see, it's one thing to hear the gospel. It's one thing to tell them the gospel, but it's another thing to live it in front of them every single day. Show them. Be a man of integrity. Fathers, your kids must see Christ in you. Now, what does that mean? It simply means if I am a Christian, if I'm a child of God, knowing and serving Jesus Christ affects every single decision I will make in my life for our home and family. Because it is all based and centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. And because I'm a Christ follower, my values are different than those of anyone else in the world, than, than, than pagan homes or homes without God. In, in, in worldly homes, in pagan homes, they value pleasure, they value power, they value prestige, they value possessions. A Christian home has a different set of values. Uh, he values those things you can't see. He values that which is eternal. 
We, we deal with stress differently. We don't deal with stress like the rest of the world deals with stress. Uh, in a Christian home, it's the peace of God that rules and reigns. And our homes are different. It's not filled with all the same kind of stress in homes without the Lord Jesus Christ. We handle our finances differently. Uh, uh, Everything we do with our money is influenced that I am a steward of the kingdom of God. uh, And therefore, it affects how I spend my money and how I balance my money. It's different. Because I'm I'm a child of God. And what happens is your kids will watch your behavior. And, and, and so the question is, do they see a man who loves and honors God every single day of your life? Wow. Our kids listen to your words, our words. Do our words honor God? Our, 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 our kids are, are looking for a spiritual leader of their home. Do you bring God in closer to their lives? Do they see him in your home, in your family? You see, Christianity is never meant to be just a Sunday activity. But all week long, listen, we can come to church, we can carry our Bibles, uh, we can look very pious when we sit in church, uh, but do they see you reading your Bible throughout the week? We can pray on Sunday when everybody else prays on cue. We all stand up. We all pray during the service. uh, But do they ever see you praying at home? That's what integrity is. It it, it means to be whole. It means what you see on Sunday is the same they see on Thursday or Friday. And and I will tell you, listen, man, we're not perfect. And and there's going to be times we're going to blow it. And in raising my kids, and you can just ask them, interview them, they'll tell you, I have blown it many times with my own children. I have messed up many times. And the children will hear us become unreasonable or unfair. Or sometimes we allow our temper to rise up and it gets out of hands and we use hurtful words. Uh, but rather than make excuses or, or shift the blame or, or say it's all your fault, uh, it's in those times when we repent and apologize and say, listen, I'm sorry, I blew it, I messed up. That'll speak volumes to them. To simply say, I was wrong. And even by watching that kind of openness and transparency uh, and that honesty to say, I was wrong, I blew it, I failed in this area, I I, I messed up there, it will teach them to learn uh, that if they will honestly repent uh, and turn back to the Lord, uh, no matter what they may have done, Christ is able to forgive and cleanse. uh, And they begin to learn about the grace of Almighty God. And they'll see God's grace played out in your lives through all the times we fail and we stumble. And they become to learn about the grace of God for themselves. It has been said, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Listen, when we model that kind of Christianity, our kids will learn to practice repentance and humility. If you don't do that, your kids will grow up and they'll be shifting the blame. They'll blame everybody else around them. And they'll never press through to trust God for their own grace and their own forgiveness. Let the kids see a genuine faith every day. The third thing that the Apostle Paul did is he was a very positive influence. Look at verse number 11. This is is great language here. 
He's talking about how he fathered the Thessalonians. And he goes on and says, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. There was a a quote uh, in, in his book by Dan Benson called The Total Man. He makes this statement. He says, for every positive word a father gives a child, he usually has already given 10 negative words. In other words, we use the negative phrase 10 times more often than we use positive phrases or expressions. Things like don't or you can't or stop that or something negative, something derogatory. Uh, and, and, and that tends to be more what comes out of our mouth on an average basis. Uh, listen, we can change the whole personality of our relationship to our kids if we just learn to be positive. Just learn to be positive. Uh, how do you do that? Three ways, Paul tells him. Number one, he says, I exhorted you. Another translation says, I encouraged. I encouraged. And the word for encourage or exhort here in the Greek language literally means to come alongside with instruction and insight in order to move someone to a specific way of conduct. In other words, to come alongside with instruction. Now, aren't you glad that, that the Holy Spirit is called our encourager? And he comes alongside of us and he exhorts us uh, and, and, and he, he comes along and strengthens us and says, get back into battle. Don't give up. Don't stop. He said, that's the kind of ministry we have with our own kids. And we come along beside of them and we exhort them and we say, you can do it. You can make it. You're a great kid. You've got the presence of God in your life. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. And so we, we encourage it becomes a powerful tool that enables them to hang in there when they're feeling like they can't do it anymore or they feel like quitting. Uh, but, but you encourage them and they will begin to dream big dreams. Jackie Robinson was the uh, first black man to play Major League Baseball. In, in a mixed team, on a white team. And he was the, really the one who was credited for breaking the color barrier in baseball. And so very famous baseball player. And uh, played second base. And uh, he, he was playing, and, but, but when, in that day and age, segregation uh, prejudice was so bad. In every stadium the team traveled to, uh, he was jeered, he was booed, he was laughed at. He had to jeer all kinds of junk just to uh, break that color barrier in Major League Baseball. And one time he was at a, at a home game in Brooklyn, and uh, there was a ball hit to second base, and he made an error. And the, the, the fans in Brooklyn begin to boo him, and they begin to jeer him and ridicule him. The, and it was, a, it was his home game. He was at a, in a home field there, and, and they're making fun of him. And this is going on. And at that time, there was a moment when Pee Wee Reese, who was playing shortstop, went over. And he put his arms around Jackie Robinson. And he just stood there for a moment on the field with his arm around Jackie Robinson, and pretty soon the whole stands got quiet, and there became a hush that fell upon that stadium, and no one said another word. And this is a statement that Robinson would later make. He said, that arm around the shoulder saved my career. Listen, you'll never know, dads, what an arm around the shoulder of your son or daughter will mean. That word of encouragement, that time when they feel like they're going all alone, and they're out there by themselves, and you say, son, I know 
daughter, I know what you're going through. I know what you feel. I know what you're experiencing. I'm here for you. I'm with you. You are a great son. You are a great daughter, and I love you. And you put that arm around their shoulder. You have no idea what the impact that will have on your children. Dad, when you, when you see your kids discouraged and you speak that positive word, when your kids are discouraged and you listen to them, when you give them a hug, when you encourage them to get back in the battle, it makes all the difference. Uh, speak positive words. I found this quotation. A little boy said to his dad, Dad, let's play darts. I'll throw it and you say, great shot. Isn't that good? I'll throw the dart and then you say, great shot. How do we encourage our kids? I, I got three things real quick. Number one, how do you encourage your sons and your daughters? Number one, with your presence. With your presence. It shows we care. It shows they're important. It shows I'm going to take time to be at your game. I'm going to take time to be with you at night. I'm going to spend quality time with you. It shows we care. The apostle Paul had uh, been in prison for over three years. He was... uh, heading to trial. While he's heading to trial, he experiences a shipwreck along the way. Finally, he just arrives at Rome. He's going to stand trial at Rome as a prisoner. But unknown to the Apostle Paul, a group of friends, a close group of friends, had traveled a long way just to be with the Apostle Paul. And listen to what it says in Acts twenty-eight fifteen. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When he saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Listen, you have no idea what your presence means in your kid's life. You ever go to a hospital and visit somebody and and see how when you walk in the room and they've been in that hospital bed, how they just light up by simply your presence, simply being there or going to somebody's house and visiting them or spending time with them, simply being with them. And you'll never know how much it means when your kids are, are playing basketball and they look up in the stands and they see dad sitting there or they're playing football or baseball or whatever it is and you took time to go and be with them. That Your presence is encouragement. Take courage, just be with them. Number two, you'll encourage them with God's word. And listen, there are so many promises in the word of God. And begin to teach your kids the promises in God's word. I've listed a couple. Look at Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now unto him. What a great, great promise in God's word. Uh, What a great encouragement for your kids to hear that and see that and learn that. Listen to Romans 8 and 37. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What great, great words of encouragement. And third, you'll encourage him with your words. With your words. Your words are important. A lack of encouragement will cause, is a basic cause of misbehavior. If your children are misbehaving, if they're acting out, if they're having problems socially, if they're getting into trouble, it's probably because along the way they heard more negative words than positive words. It's probably because they weren't encouraged growing up. A misbehaving child is a discouraged child. 
A child needs continuous encouragement just like a plant needs water. And you never stop. And you fertilize that soil and you put the water to that soil and your words and your affirmation and your encouragement to them will help them to make it through. We cannot grow and develop a sense of belonging without encouragement. And if your kids don't feel like they belong, then they'll act out. Encouragement. The second thing that Paul said he did positively, not only did he encourage or exhort, but he says he comforted. Comforted. Now, now the word comfort is nearly synonymous with the word encouragement. They both carry the idea of coming alongside of. So you see that picture of coming alongside of. But encouragement is to come alongside of with instruction, with teaching, with training. Comfort is to come alongside of with sympathy and concern. It's when they're going through a difficult time. And so the difference would be simply this. When your kids are doing okay and they're doing fine, you give them continual encouragement. They're doing great and you encourage them and they keep growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when they're down or discouraged or have had a rough day, you come alongside with comfort. And that's the, that's the difference in the two shades of words there. And in both cases, though, it carries the idea of I draw close to them. I come along beside of them. Now, isn't that a perfect picture of God and the Holy Spirit and what he does for us? And he is our comforter. He is our paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who comes along beside of us. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's important that your kids see their home, their house, as a place of comfort. Remember when your kids were small? And they were running out playing, and they fell down, and they skinned their knee. And they came in, and their knee was bleeding. And so what did you do? You picked them up, and you kissed their boo-boo. And so you got kissed that grass-stained, dirty, ugly knee. But you kissed their boo-boo, and you got a Band-Aid, and you put the Band-Aid over that cut or that scrape. And, of course, that kid wore that Band-Aid around as a badge of courage. I mean, everywhere that kid went. See, see my Band-Aid? See my boo-boo? Look what happened to me. But you, you took them up in your arms, and you held them, and you comforted them. Listen, when they get older, they may not fall down and scrape their knee anymore but they still need dad to sit there and take them up in their arms and hold them and comfort them and and kiss whatever the hurt may be in their life comfort never ever stops and home needs to be that place where they can come in and know they will find comfort and they still need comfort today and be told listen everything's going to be all right you may have fallen you may have messed up but I love you and I care about you and it's going to be okay. And home needs to be that place where they feel safe and secure and know they're accepted and know people care about them and someone is on their side. Place of comfort. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, I think, describes the emotions there. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That carries the idea of encouragement. When things are going well, we rejoice with them, we celebrate with them, we encourage them, we're always speaking positive things. And then it says mourn with those who mourn. And that's when we come alongside and we share in their grief. 
comfort. Then the third thing the Apostle Paul says that we need to do, we must do, is he says, charge, or another translation says, urge. Look, if you would, again, at verse number 11. He says, you know, we exhorted and we comforted and we charged every one of you as a father does his children. Challenge your kids to go to the next level spiritually. That's the charge. You're a child of God. You're a child of the king. And keep moving forward in the kingdom of God. We charge them because he goes on in verse number 12. He says that calls you to walk worthy of God and calls you to his own kingdom and glory. So there is this always this upward call in Christ Jesus. And what does a dad do? He charges his kids uh, to move into that upward call that we find in Christ Jesus. To move into that kingdom uh, and that glory realm that we're talking about. There, there was a jockey, a, a famous jockey, who had an incredible winning record in racing, horse racing. And uh, just before each race, he would lean over and say something into this prize horse that he had. And a reporter saw him doing that on one occasion before another race that he had won. And the reporter asked him, he said, he said what makes the difference? Why, why does your horse keep winning? And what is it that you lean over and you say to that horse before every race begins? And the jockey looked back and he said, well, I quote a little verse. And here's how it goes. Roses are red, violets are blue. Horses that lose are made into glue. <laughs> I don't know if that's what we whisper into our kids' ear. But, uh, but, but we, <laughs> we urge them to walk worthy of God, walk worthy of their calling in Christ Jesus. Says we, we bear witness before them. We become examples of what it means to walk worthy in God. Don't expect your kids to live it if we don't model it. Your charging, your urging does no good if you are not first living it yourself. But when you're living it in front of them and when you're a man of integrity, then when you charge them, they'll listen to it, they'll receive it. It'll begin to change their behavior, change their lifestyle. Ernest Hemingway loved to write about his native country of Spain, his country of Spain, and he wrote many stories about that. And, and one short story was entitled The Capital of the World. And in this story, Ernest Hemingway tells the story of a father and a son who stopped talking to each other, had all kinds of problems quit talking to each other. Things got so bad that in the story, the father, the son left home. And after several years, the father was really missing his son and he was gone and uh, he was lonesome for him. He, he wanted to restore and mend that relationship that had been so badly broken a few years earlier. And he looked everywhere for his son and he couldn't find him. He just knew that he was living in Madrid. The last time he'd heard, he was in Madrid, Spain, and that's where he was. And so he had no idea how to find this son that had been gone. And so he had an idea. He says, I'll go to the capital, I'll go to Madrid, and uh, I will take out a big, full-paid ad in the newspaper for Madrid, Spain. And he, and he took the ad out, and the ad said this, Paco, please meet me at 12 noon tomorrow in front of the newspaper office. All is forgiven. I love you, Father. The next day, noon rolled around. And when noon came around, there were 800 men named Paco standing in front of the building. Now listen, there's a 
a lot of Pacos around. That the relationship between dad and son has been fractured. It's been broken. It's been wounded. There's a lot of hurt going on. Maybe today there's some, there's some Pacos in here who need forgiveness. Maybe there's some men here that your father wounded you. Your father hurt you in some way. Your father wasn't there for you. And when you roll around to Father's Day every year, it almost becomes kind of a painful experience because there was always this wound between you and, and your dad. And maybe there's some fathers here and you've got some Pacos out there and they're not at home and they're in rebellion or they're angry or there's been a lot of fighting, there's been a lot of hurt, there's been a lot of wounding and there's a lot of, a lot of hurt Pacos all around here. There's a promise in Malachi. Listen to it, Malachi 4 and 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Listen, I've got great news. God is a God of reconciliation. God is a God of grace. And no matter how far to a far country that son or daughter may have gone, no matter how far she may be, listen, you can get out at the end of the road and you're praying for your children, you're praying for your sons and your daughters, and one day they're going to come down that road and you'll be able to run and embrace them and hold them and show them the grace of Almighty God. God loves you. God loves your children. God wants your family whole. God wants that restoration between fathers and sons. And so dads, listen, if we're going to if we're going to be like the apostle Paul described his relationship with his church as a father, if you're going to be a true father, just kind of notice those three things. Express your love. Don't be afraid to share it and express it. Be very open, be very gushy about it. Let them know how much you love them and how much you care about them. Uh, second, be a man of integrity. Let them see it every day in your life and everything you do. Don't let it just be a once a week thing. And number three, be that positive influence that will encourage and exhort and charge them and comfort them when they're hurting. And if you'll give them that, that in positive influence, and they'll want to follow and serve the Lord just like Dad does. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.